welcome back to the Veropolis podcast. As always, I am joined with Nathan. And not as always, we actually have two wins to talk about this week. You can probably tell from the grin on both of our faces already. We've been looking forward to this since full time against Norwich. Nathan, usually I ask you how you're feeling, um, you know, subtracting any emotions that the football may have gave you. But I guess it would be silly for me to do that this week because you're probably on cloud nine because of the footy as well. Yeah, cloud nine because of the footy, as you say, Chris. Two away wins in a week, six points in the back pocket for Borough on the Rose. And it's it's got me over the moon, really, with football. I'm, I'm kind of gutted that the break has come when it has, but I suppose it does end club football for, for a month on a massive high as well. So there is always that. Yeah, it certainly does. The World Cup around the corner now, but I mean... For this hour, at least, we won't be talking about England. We'll be talking about a team that actually has played over the past week like quite a famous international team. And, of course, I am talking like uh, talking about, sorry, uh, Michael Carrick's team performing like a prime Brazil. Um, let's get started with the action, Nathan. Blackpool away was first up this week, obviously. Uh, Bloomfield Road, of course, the rescheduled game following the passing of the Queen. We talked last week about how you were going to be in attendance and I, I think you'll struggle to uh, be in attendance for a better performance anytime soon, to be honest, from any club in the country, never mind just Middlesbrough. Yeah, we were outstanding on Tuesday night and my day was fantastic from start to finish. Blackpool away always is getting down there by the seaside, having a walk along the promenade and watching Borough take three points. It's quite a happy hunting ground for us uh, in the last few years. But yeah, into the game, Middlesbrough unchanged. Again, a regular fixture from, from Michael Carrick's tenure so far and unchanged Middlesbrough side and started the game pretty well, um, dominated the ball away from home and you could see how the game was going to go. Blackpool were playing almost like an away side, although they were playing at home, sat behind behind the ball and were looking to hit Borough on the break when they could. But that didn't happen all too much at all. Borough were outstanding from pretty much start to finish um, and got, got quite an early goal as well through Isaiah Jones. The goal comes from back to front. Um, Stefan starts it and it ends with Jones putting it in the back of the Blackpool net. Up the other end, um, Hayden Hackney plays it into, into Tubes. Tubes turns. There's a good run from, from Jones that drags the defender away. Tubes drives up the line. Tommy Smith, another, another one, drags Theo Corbiano away. And Tubes puts an unbelievable ball into the box onto the head of Force. Force does really well, uh, showing great awareness uh, to, to nod the ball back across goal. And there's Jones to sweep it in 1 0, and it set the tone. Borough were, were fantastic from then on, and Blackpool didn't offer a whole lot at all. Yeah, as you say, summed up well there. But uh, before we actually do talk about the goal, Nathan, uh, are we going to acknowledge that you've just slipped in Tubes as Tuba's nickname? Tuba Big Tubes. Is that what we're going to go with moving forward? Big Tubes. Been going with Tubes for, for a while now, um, maybe off this podcast. But yeah, Big Tubes. I love I love Big Tubes so much. He's, yeah. uh, he's yeah. rapidly becoming... My favourite Middlesbrough player this season. Yeah, I think he, he, he's probably just about coming at everyone else's favourite player as well. Of course, um, the Tuba train movement continues to go from strength to strength uh, and following full-time. We actually had to add carriages to that service because of the popularity of it. So, you know, it, it really is getting at the stage where the capacity is becoming a little bit of a concern, to be honest, on that train. It is. It's it's a joke, really. Um, especially under Michael Carrick, the the train 
has, has stopped so far at, at Preston, at the Riverside, at Hull, and and also, as we'll get into later in the podcast, at Blackpool North as well. So the, the train just keeps rolling on. Yeah, it certainly does. And of course, the train is normally in reference to a, a Tuberac Pom goal, of course, which he, which he did get at Blackpool, as you say. But, I mean, that... That pass, yeah, I think you said, you know, a ball into the box. It was more the delicate pass of an NFL quarterback, to be honest. (laughs) He's not only finding the back of the net, he is actually orchestrating things from wherever he wants on the pitch. Um, His form is as as good of a spell of form remember probably since Bamford hit that purple patch under Tony Pulis um, I don't think I'm really missing any strikers out because you know we've we've just failed to have any prolific strikers or any strikers that have, have really worked out at all to be honest over the last few years but yeah he's been incredible and and, and that quarterback quarterback-esque pass from him was uh, a joy to watch Um Actually, after scoring, Nathan, I thought that we let Blackpool grow into the game a little bit. And Carrick also said that following the game that, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about Blackpool really piling on the pressure and, and, and making us not look completely in control. But they certainly sort of were woken up by, obviously, our opening goal. And, you know, the fact that they were able actually to keep it at 1-0 going into half-time was, I guess from a Blackpool perspective, somewhat of a positive, to be honest. Yeah, it will have been, especially with with all the chances that Middlesbrough had. There was a, a Ryan Giles free kick that took a few deflections and ended up going behind for a Blackpool goal kick. <clears throat> and also a Ryan Giles corner that was flicked towards the back post by Darrell Lenahan that looked like it was going to sneak in the far corner, but narrowly went wide. So to go in at 1-0, from a Middlesbrough perspective, it sort of felt a bit disappointing, really, because you always run the risk of Blackpool having a a lucky lucky goal that that goes in and it changes the game completely. Um, But, yeah, Middlesbrough, on top in that first half, unlucky not to go in with with a, a healthier lead but yeah Blackpool will have maybe felt that they could have got back into the game following half time but that was quickly stripped away from them wasn't it Chris? Yeah it certainly was and it's uh, it's certainly a talking point the second goal isn't it um, obviously you were in attendance I was watching on um, at home and my view was it was probably a soft penalty on Marcus Force of course um, what was your view on it from the away end? Yeah, if I'm honest, I did turn and say um, that it was a dive. I thought he's sort of made made a bit of a meal out of it, did Marcus Force, but he did extremely well to anticipate Marvin Ekpeteta's awful touch um, and his pace to get him behind get on the end of that loose ball and, and flick it beyond Chris Maxwell was really good. But I think Maxwell, if Force doesn't jump the tackle, I think there is going to be contact made. So in that case, probably is a penalty, but a little bit soft. But from a Middlesbrough perspective, who cares? It, it's, it took the game away from Blackpool, didn't it? Getting that penalty so early on in the second half. And in fairness, I thought it was going to cause possibly a little bit of panic when um, Tuber and Force are stood next to the penalty spot, Force holding onto the ball, uh, although Tuber seems to be the designated penalty taker. But Tuber let Force have it and he just blasted the ball in the back of the net, didn't he? And from then on, it was it was very, very, very comfortable. Yeah, now, I mean, we've been watching Middlesbrough 
long enough not even as long as as what some people listening or watching might have and you know we both know that even when you go two goals up as a, as a Middlesbrough fan you know it, nothing's certain um, but as you say this was a rare occasion where I felt as soon as we get that second the referee could blow for full time because I just never felt Blackpool were getting back into it and yeah, as you say, brave of a force to take the ball off Akpom, given he's, I guess, seemingly the the normal penalty taker. We haven't had all too many, but but Akpom obviously took the one away at Wigan as well and, and scored that. Um, but yeah, good for his confidence. Uh, I think Akpom said that he was, you know, part of his sort of um, decision to allow him to take it was the fact that that force you know put an awful lot of work in without too much reward in, in recent weeks and um, of course he got that reward finally blasting that penalty into the back of the net low and hard um it was yeah emphatic that penalty and as a, as i say and as you've said uh, that wrapped up the game to be honest you know anything that happened after that point was always going to be a bonus for middlesbrough really and, and there was a few bonuses and obviously the main one being the continuation and another stop for the tuba train. Yeah, it was. And again, midfield, that midfield two of, of Hackney and Housen, fantastic. I think in this case, it was Johnny Housen wins, wins the ball back, knocks it into midfield and it ends up at Riley McGree's feet, knocks it out wide to Ryan Giles, who's marauded forward from left back. And he just fires that ball across the face of goal and Tube is there. And just from an aesthetic point of view, I think the only thing that stopped it being the most one of the the most aesthetically pleasing away goals um I've I've seen this season was the fact that it doesn't really hit the back of the net. It goes under Chris Maxwell and, and sort of P rolls into the net. But yeah, 3-0. Tuba wheels away, emotional in his celebrations as well. Um, I think in his in his post match interview, he did explain that that was because he just he can't believe the way that the season's really going for him at this moment in time. Um, eight for the season now for Tuba, and he's Middlesbrough's main man, isn't he? In that number ten position, um, up until Blackpool. He, He'd scored in every single game under Michael Carrick. And yeah, he's he's been absolutely outstanding this season. A, a really big shining light in this Middlesbrough team. And yeah, the, the goal was thoroughly deserved um, for, for Tuba on the night in his performance, but also the team as a whole. And I mean, they could have continued and, and, and got a few more with a couple of chances that they did have. Um, Pharrell Willis is a is a name that I think we should mention making his debut uh, for Middlesbrough off the bench on Tuesday night at Blackpool and then earning a new, well, a first professional contract at the club as well in the week. Um, he did have a chance at Blackpool that was that was narrowly wide, but yeah, I thought it was a a really really good away day display and I think what sums it up best is in the 60th minute when when Tuba puts that one away maybe 65 I think it was the ground just emptied and I think I think you know that you've performed really well when the home crowd start to disperse as early as they did and yeah credit to Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough for, for that display on Tuesday night three massive points especially in terms of the league table as well. Blackpool were above Middlesbrough at the start of play on Tuesday night and it clawed Middlesbrough up the table and kept us plugging away. Yeah, it certainly did. And I mean, you know, we've spoken about the goals, but just the performance in general, it was assured, composed, just everything you would want really and, and everything that we sort of almost forgot that the players 
that played in that game were actually capable of. I mean, I know after after the Preston game and okay, yes, that was Michael Carrick's first game, but after the Coventry game, albeit under a different manager and a few other performances this year, it sort of just felt like you know, it was going to be a season wasted. We we'd gone backwards. We we, you know, it, it just felt like such a huge task to get back to that sort of similar point to where we were under under Chris Wilder last year. Um, you know, around about the same time in the season, actually, where the new manager arrived and and we had that, you know, burst of energy, burst of, of fresh ideas, and and a good run of form uh, to go alongside that. And you know, obviously, we'll talk about the Norwich game as well, but given the second half performance against Bristol City and all the positives to take from that, you know, it would have been quite easy to for the team to, you know, potentially get their heads down and, you know, sulk a little bit that it didn't go our way against Bristol City, but actually they'd done the best thing they possibly could and continued the way they were playing from from minute one. And I mean it was it was a phenomenal performance. The only negative from me was that I uh, I couldn't be in attendance because I think it would be fair to say that that's got to be performance of the season, would you agree? It was up there, certainly, um, to go away from home and boss a team on their own, on their own home ground is, is it's really good and as an away fan, that's probably the best feeling in the world that you can that you can have um as an away fan <clears throat> but yeah the performance was 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 fully warranting three points and it got what it deserved um the the away following as well very good especially considering it was on a tuesday night especially considering it was a game that was rearranged as well where people thought it was going to be on a Saturday and we still took over 3,000 on a on a Tuesday night, which is is outstanding, really. And those 3,000 fans that did travel had a really good trip home as well with three points in the back pocket. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. You know, the performance and the atmosphere to match it. Um, yeah, it was as, as good of a night... Um, I guess as as everyone could have hoped. I, I mean, I know in the last podcast we said it would last season's Blackpool away game would take some topping, and yes, it was slightly different in that it, it didn't take us until the final seconds to get the result. But uh, yeah, the performance was was certainly a lot better than that, and yeah, as you say, the the result reflected that. Um, so that was the first three points of the week. On to the second, Nathan, we followed that wonderful Blackpool result up with, you know, albeit a slightly different performance, but very much um, just as good of three points. And, you know, there's there's not really any better feelings in football supporting your team as a last gas winner. And no. uh, the first of the Michael Carrick era, three points on the road at Carroll Road. And, I mean, I think most people would have taken a goal, but to uh, to come away with three points and two goals, yeah. Yeah, truly, truly fantastic on Saturday afternoon. Um, I did travel to Norwich uh, as well and going there with not a lot of expectation, really, uh, and that isn't built upon what I've seen from Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough, that is built upon Carrow Road and Middlesbrough's past visits there. Um, for those that don't know the, the exact fact, um, before Saturday, we hadn't scored a goal against Norwich since we beat them 1-0 away in the playoff season, uh, where Albert Adoma scored at Carrow Road. Um, which I mean, we've played them six, seven, eight times since then in the playoff final as well, and hadn't even scored a goal. Which 
yeah, it's not the best record in the world. And for any travelling fan going to Carroll Road, people must think that you're mad for going there, uh, especially with that record. But over 1,500 Borough fans travelled to Carroll Road on Saturday afternoon in the hope of Middlesbrough scoring a goal and hopefully getting a positive result at Norwich Hugh. It was a strange side, really. Um, I was going to say high-flying Norwich, which they are um, in the playoffs and towards the upper echelons of the championship table. But the fans of Norwich will tell you that things aren't too well at the football club at this moment in time, with the fan base a bit divided on uh, on Dean Smith, his football and his future at the football club as well. But it seemed as though the trend of Borough's form at Carrow Road was going to continue with an early goal from Josh Sargent. Uh, moments before Timu Puki had a had a fantastic chance to make it 1-0 um, that was brilliantly saved by Stefan, uh, his feet flicking that ball away from the far corner. But, yeah, we go 1-0 down after 10 minutes. Um, Giles is quite high up the pitch and loses a 50-50 battle in midfield. Norwich break forward. McLean gets hold of a loose ball, flicks it through to Sargent, and he sweeps home under Stefan into the far corner. And from the away end, it just felt like this could be a horrible, horrible afternoon, um, especially with that bloody goal music as well. Um, but, yeah, um, from from everything that I've seen from journalists from, from Middlesbrough's side and from Norwich's side, it seems to be along the lines of Norwich were outstanding in that first half. Uh, and they battered Middlesbrough and Middlesbrough were lucky to stay in the game. I'm not too sure if I'm of that uh, belief. I thought that Norwich were okay in the first half, had a few chances, as they probably should, being a side that have come down from the Premier League and have a lot of options up front that are top options in the in the Championship Pookie, Sargent, Aaron Ramsey in there as well. But I can't really remember too many chances apart from that Pookie one early on that, that threatened Zach Steffen. There was there was a shot from Ramsey um that was that was saved and parried away, but nothing too much in that first half of note from, from Norwich in terms of chances apart from the goal. Um, they defended resolutely in the first half and kept Middlesbrough out, but I'm, I'm not really of the of the belief that Norwich were outstanding in that first half. I, I felt that Middlesbrough were, were comfortably in the game and weren't put under sustained periods of pressure um, by Norwich. But I'd be interested to hear your take on that, Chris, um, having watched the first half yourself. Yes, uh, from watching the first half performance, I I completely agree with you, Nathan, in that I felt the analysis on on some shows and from some pundits was was baffling. To be honest, I really didn't see the the patterns of play which they seem to have imagined from Norwich in the first half. Um, I what I've got to be honest, I wasn't really impressed by Norwich at all. I thought their league position actually flatters them, if anything. Um, yes, OK, they've got some fantastic individual quality, but they don't really seem to have a style. And, you know, from following Chris and, and, and Jack from Talk Norwich City on Twitter and, and a few other Norwich fans, that seems to be one of their biggest complaints. They, they don't really have a style. OK, yes, they've, they've picked up some good results this season, but there's no obvious pattern of play or, 
you know, I don't think if you you asked a Norwich fan what style of play Dean Smith plays, they'd actually know. And and for me, that that showed in the first half. They certainly didn't batter us. Yes, there was one or two fortunate moments, and obviously the great save from from Stefan um, against Pookie. But yeah, I, I felt like one 0 was was probably a fair result going into half time, and I felt that actually the one criticism I had of us was that we probably weren't a little bit braver in the first half, actually, because I, I always felt that that bat line was there to be got at. Um, you know, people like Max Aarons has, has received, you know, massively, massively um, well sort of received performances um, and, and, and plaudits because of those over the last few years. Um, but, you know, since that sort of, I think it was Barcelona that he was rumoured to be going to. Since that move sort of fell through, you know, I, I've watched him a couple of times and, and always thought that attacking-wise, you know, he, he is a threat, certainly. But defensively, I always feel you can get at him. And um, as as much as it sort of, you know, pains me to say it a little bit, I, I, I thought that Hanley and, and especially Ben Gibson also didn't look fantastic and you know, like the uh, the Ben Gibson of old, I guess you could say. Um, so, yeah, that was my only criticism for the first half, that we didn't get at them more. And actually, in the second half, we stepped it up a gear, um, were more on the front foot, and, and we got our rewards um, after 64 minutes. An absolute piece of magic from Riley McGree. I mean... We're doing one podcast on two games, but if we really wanted to, we could have just done an hour segment on every angle, every shout, every single person's reaction when that went in. Because, I mean, we'd had chances prior to the equaliser, but I don't even want to talk about them. I want to talk about Riley McGree's strike for as long as possible, Nathan. Yeah. Um, just unbelievable um Housen does well wins a loose ball with his head nods it into Marcus Force Force flicks it on into a, a good area for McGree to, to run onto it and you're thinking just get it down and go you, you're pretty much through on goal um but instead he opts to uh just unveil a a piece of of magic and scissor kicks it from all of 25 yards going away from goal into Angus Gunn's top corner and I think the angle that best shows it is that angle from, from right behind it where you can see it arrow into that top corner and just the faces of the of the Norwich fans behind the goal of just sheer disbelief that McGree's launched one right into the top corner and wheeled away in celebration. I mean, as as a fan that was at the game, I didn't see Riley McGree. My right, God, I'll, I'm, that's getting clipped out. Um, I didn't see Riley McGree run away in celebration because. I was falling down about five rows um, with all the Borough fans around me, just grabbing hold of me and all celebrating with one another. But, yeah, what a really pleasing goal to see going um, from from the away end. It was, it was fantastic. Um, a, a great angle of it as well, watching it arrow into that top corner. And, I mean, I, I'd have taken a point I really would have done. Um, I was happy enough to see the goal going um, at Carroll Road, as I, as I mentioned earlier on in the, the horrific record for Middlesbrough there. Just to get a goal was nice. I'd have taken a point, but they, they, they turned it on once again, did Middlesbrough, and they got all three in the end. Yeah, they did. And, and just before we talk about that winner, I just want to touch on that goal once more and 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 then we could we can go back to it perhaps or just 
make a video dedicated to it, Nathan, because I mean, it, it, it literally was that good. But not only has Riley McGree scissor kicked one into the top corner from outside the box in the same week that he was called up to the Australia World Cup squad, he has also done it shushing the away fans. Well, okay, not at the same time, but following the strike, he shushes the away fans. I mean, that that's iconic in itself. But one thing that hasn't been mentioned and potentially, you know, it, it may have put magic in Riley McGree's boots is the mullet and tash combination that he's currently rocking. You know, I mean, you couldn't get any more stereotypically Aussie if you tried. <laughs> and to be honest, if he produces anything close to that again, I'd be very tempted to have a go myself at mirroring the mullet and tash combo. It's a trademark. I think it needs to be trademarked by McGree. Um, I mean, what a strike. I think I think he's tried it because Grant Hanley's coming across and he's probably going to try and barge McGree out of the way. But, yeah, to, to try it is one thing, but to execute it is another. And in his, in his post-match interview, he, he did say, if I tried that a hundred more times, I think we'd have been here for for a long time trying to execute that once again. And yeah, it was a very, very special goal. And for those West Brom fans that are saying it's not goal of the day because of Brandon Thomas Asante's, then please just shush because it was a piece of magic. Yeah, any West Brom fans trying to argue the case need to grow up, to be honest. Um, it's as simple as that, really. Um, I mean, as we've touched on, the, the, the tash and the mullet alone should be considered for moment of the day. And the goal, I mean, it stands to reason, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it's... In the, in the words of, of, of Chris Reeve, it really did get me going. Um, <laughs> magic. Just, uh, I'm running out of words to describe it, so we'll move on to the winner. And I'll, I'll probably just not even get my words out for this as well. Because what a moment, Nathan. Obviously, you were in the away end. You're probably best uh, best place to describe it and, and also to, to describe the scenes that followed. The big tree popping up in the 92nd minute and stealing three points away from Carroll Road. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing that did catch my eye in the build-up to the goal was Chubrak Pom's piece of skill. I mean, unbelievable once again. Uh, a sort of drag back and flick sets Jones away, takes Dimitri Giannoulis and Kenny McLean out the game with that flick does Tuba and Jones is driving forward. Tuba does extremely well to continue his run as well. Gets beyond Jones, goes up the line. Jones knocks Tuba in. Tuba squares it. And there he is, the big tree, flying in the six-yard box, getting along that front post. And he's, I was going to say slotted. It's not a slot. It's a smash into the roof of the net. And I think every part of the celebrations needs analysing um, from a video point of view because I didn't get to see any of it because I was, again, about 25 rows down from where I was in Carroll Road's away end. But Tuba in front of the uh, Norwich fans after squaring the ball and jumping over an advertising board doing a, a funny dance, shit house, unbelievable, rate it. Then Cruxy, big knee slide, love that, can't fault it. And lastly, the two, two young guns in the side, Ryan Giles and Hayden Hackney, both giving it the shush to the Norwich end. And that's exactly what I want from a from my players as a fan. Um, shout out to the Norwich fans that sit near to where the Talk Norwich City boys sit 
who were giving it one nil uh, early on in the game. I hope, I hope they enjoyed their uh, their trip back home wherever they live in Norfolk, um, because it was probably the. I mean, I don't know why our players were shushing. If I'm honest, because it was probably the quietest ground I've been to in the in the country, um, and I know that's that's a problem uh, for Norwich as I as I do watch the Talk Norwich City Boys podcast and they do talk about the atmosphere. Uh, but yeah, you can see why it is a problem because it was shocking. Uh, all you could hear all game was the away fans and it was just a stupendous away day. I don't know where the referee got six minutes from before uh, Crooks put that one in Angus Gunn's net. But with Borough players dropping to the knees, left, right and centre, as they're walking back to to kick off again, my heart was in my mouth because I'm envisaging a 99th minute on El Hernandez equaliser and it did nearly happen as well. Um, late on in the game, Norwich throwing men forward, as, as they would do, chasing the game now. And the ball falls to Hernandez, who is his usual self, really. Looks dangerous all the time he's on the ball, but nothing really seems to come from him. And he sidesteps a few Middlesbrough players and fires a shot into Zach Steffen's far corner, or at least it looks like it's going in that top corner. And yes, I was so, so glad to see it fly wide and hear the referee blow that full-time whistle and to see the boys at the end of the game all getting a big huddle in the Borough box and and celebrate that win was a, was a really good moment as a, as a Borough fan in that away day. It shows the togetherness of this team and it shows that this team now looks like a far cry than what it was a month or so ago. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty miraculous turnaround, to be honest. And yes, some I guess some cynical people might say, well, it's two games, but it, it's not just two results. It's not just two wins. It's a manner of performance especially in the in the last two but but also even that second half against Bristol you saw what this new look Middlesbrough team are capable of under Michael Carrick you, you saw that that Ryan Giles can still be such a threat even from left back not you know playing in his previous role as a as a left wing back he's still dangerous you you saw the improvement of, of Riley McGree who's almost made sort of his own position in Michael Carrick's team, drifting in from that left flank and sort of operating as a, a number 10 slash sort of free roll left winger, if you want to call it that. And, you know, Chubarak Pom as well, creator, goal scorer, technician, magician. You could honestly describe him in so many words. Um, as you say, that piece of skill um, prior to... Our winner was scandalous, really, from him. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a complete turnaround, hasn't it? And you know, I, I don't think we can give Michael Carrick and, and Jonathan will get enough credit to say, you know, you have. I don't know if turned our fortunes around is a little bit too strong, given it's it is still early days. But I mean. You look at that table now, and, and, and my goodness, does it look? Does an half look a lot, lot healthier than what it did when they first arrived? Um, I mean, two excellent, excellent away performances, as, as good as you're going to get in this division, to be honest. And yeah, I mean, the signs are there for a, a really, really positive second half of the season. It was so important for us to go into that World Cup break. I felt on the back of a positive and, and Blackpool sort of did give us that. 
but that Norwich results obviously taken that that level of positivity to a to a whole different level and you know just again on on the praise for for Carrick and Woodgate we saw Marcus Force come back into the team and and sort of make that that number nine position his own we 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 even saw Matthew Hoppy get a run out against Norwich and a, a few minutes as well against Blackpool in in all fairness you know he, he played his part and then rewarded himself with a game of Uno with Yusuf on the way home. I mean, it, it doesn't really get much better than that. It was a fantastic day, I'm sure, even more so for those in attendance. But yeah, Nathan, just a, a word on this on this turnaround. It, it's been nothing short of amazing, really. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I think ahead of this five-game burst, as Michael Carrick did call it, I think you'd have taken 10 points out of out of the 15 points available. And and we've got we've got that. Um three away wins in that time. And you can look at it and, and, and sort of think that we were we were unfortunate not to have a little bit more from, from this run as well when you look at the Bristol City game. And you think we possibly should have put those out of sight, and and also Preston conceded in the last minute. Um, you think if you hold on for for a minute or two longer, and you come out there with a point. But just just going back to Norwich for just just a second, um, I thought the second half performance was was fantastic. Um, to go away to a side that are in the playoffs. Um and a pretty much everyone's favourites to be up there in in the in the upper echelons of the division and, and and sort of just put on a show in the second half and keep the ball away from them almost looked like Norwich were never going to get near the ball because Borough was so comfortable in possession switching it from left to right. I think I think it was really, really good, and it puts a marker down that we can do that to some of the best sides in the division when we are playing to our to our best, really. And part of that does come down to the midfield too, Housen and Hackney. Those two are just unbelievable, really. Johnny Housen when when he's at his absolute best for Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough play well and I think that shows his importance to the side but Hayden Hackney coming into this side as well Leo's uncovered a gem there um, bringing him into the side and we've got a player there that just looks fearless every time he gets the ball wants to wants to go forward gets the ball on the half turn every time and looks to step into into the midfield and move forward. Um, and and with House and next to him, you you have that experience to to guide him through games if he needs to. But yeah, absolutely outstanding second half performance. And as you referred to earlier, in terms of a, a few sort of pundits and journalists, um, getting things wrong this this week with Middlesbrough's performance against Norwich. Um, Sam Parkin from the EFL highlight show on ITV um was 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 relatively quick to to tell me that he was uh apologetic um about his take on Middlesbrough's performance away at Norwich. Um he did say that it was a smash and grab victory which in in my opinion, it was anything but really. I thought that Middlesbrough in that second half were well worth the three points that they did get in the end. And fair play to Sam Parkin for for coming across and and and, and apologising for that because it. I think I think that that shows that he's a a fair pundit and, and understands that his assessment of the game was was wrong in that case, but. Also, just a, a quick mention for um, a, a family member that 
is only a young lad. He's a only 10-year-old. Um, my cousin Charlie, who he's from Norwich and has been brought up as a Borough fan. His dad uh, moved down to Norwich a few years ago. And Charlie was at his first Borough game at the weekend and told us when Crooks did come on that he would get that winning goal. And he did just that. And he was um, very excited to meet a few of the players after the game as well. So I did head round to the players' entrance, speak to a few of the players. Riley McGree, um, fantastic guy to speak to. Um, wished him well in Qatar as well. And Michael Carrick as well, fantastic uh, to have a conversation with him. As he spoke to Charlie, uh, I did I did tell him that it was Charlie's first game. And he told Charlie that he needs to come every week now because he must be our good luck charm. I thought that was fantastic from, from Carrick. But yeah, um, unbelievable three points, unbelievable away day. It's part of the reason why us fans go to games for moments like that to get those last minute winners to have those celebratory scenes at the end of the game. And yes, the table looks looks rather nice now going into the break. Uh, Middlesbrough sat in 14th position at this moment in time, four points away from the top six. Now that feels nice to say. However, I am going to caveat that with still only four points above the bottom three as well. But that shows how tight the division is, doesn't it? With Middlesbrough being in 14th and a, a handful of teams below us in the table, all clogged up on similar points totals. And it just goes to show, doesn't it, that a good week in this division can fire you right up that table. Yeah, it's, it certainly does. And, and just... Uh... On Michael Carrick's uh, words to Charlie, um, I hope you did obviously tell Carrick that, you know, it would be quite a way for him to travel. I mean, by <laughs> all means, he, he may well be our good luck charm, but I mean, that that really would be a trek every Saturday um, and every Tuesday as well. Um, so if Charlie and his, and his dad are willing to do that, then by all means do so because if we're going to get more results like that Norwich game, then I'm all for it. Um, yeah. And um, also nice to, nice to hear that, that the players were, were welcoming and, and, you know, won't have a little bit of a chat. And I think had that have been a few months ago, perhaps it, it probably would have been a complete different experience for you and Charlie. And I, I guess that just goes to show how things have turned around so quickly. Um just before we, we we wrap this up, Nathan, um, did you compliment Riley McGree on his on his tash? Not on his tash. I didn't. I did compliment him on his goal, as you would expect. Um, yeah, absolute rocket, and yeah, a, a fantastic guy as well to speak to, as as well as a few others. Daryl Lenahan, fantastic. Zach Steffen, as well, great to talk to, and. Tuba as well. Uh, don't know what was going on with Tuba. He was on the bus one minute, then he was in the back of a Mercedes, and then he was outside again talking to different people. But yeah, um, we've got a, a really likable squad of players at this moment in time. And yeah, long may that continue. And, and shout out to Yusuf as well. Um, he was stood near the, the players' entrance at full time. And he, it's the first time I've ever really been shouted and recognised from the podcast but uh, yeah it did catch me by surprise and it was good to have a conversation with Yusuf as well about the borough and um, also about how how gutted we are that that there's now a, a month break before the next game which of course is is Luton at home at the Riverside on the 10th of December which it is a long way away at this moment in time but We'll just we'll just enjoy the World Cup for now, or at least we hope we will. Um, back in England, and and of course, back in Riley McGree to uh to score some some more scorches for Australia as long as it's not against England. 
Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, and just obviously, um, before we do go, uh, there's two things that I want to mention, actually, just conscious on time slightly. Uh, Nathan, you do have your own football um, to attend. Um, and if you do score a goal like Riley McGree, I think you do have to then grow the tash. So just better <laughs> head of tonight. Um we did ask for questions. Uh, we will answer one of them now, and I've picked one specifically. Um, I'm thinking, Nathan, during the World Cup break, we do another podcast where, sort of as a bit of a mid-season review, um, we, we get some more questions in and, and take a little bit more time. Uh, so a question just uh, before we, we wrap the podcast up. Harry underscore UTB asked, is Akpom the greatest player? not to have Ballon d'Or, uh, and I can confirm that, yes, he is. Um, and that's all that needs to be said. Uh, one last thing, and I promise it is the last thing before we go. How how did Zach Stefan not get in the USA squad? I just, I'm lost for words, really. I couldn't believe it. Um, and most of all, I'm gutted for Zach, Zach Stefan as well, because... I've felt that in recent weeks he's been outstanding for Middlesbrough. Um, a bit nervy at times, especially with one moment against Norwich. But, yeah, I, I look at the goalkeepers that are in that squad for, for the USA and I just think there's there's no one there that stands out over Zach Steffen. Um, Luton fans will point point in the direction of Ethan Hovarth and in return I'll point in the direction of him passing the ball to Onel Hernandez for uh, his goal at Nottingham Forest last season so yeah it's massively unfortunate for Zach um, but I suppose as a as an England fan I'm glad that we won't be facing him at the World Cup Yeah we'll do uh, Zach Stefan a favour and, and hopefully put five or six past USA and uh, get some somewhat revenge from uh, from that really questionable call from the USA manager. Uh, right, Nathan, that is just done. A really positive podcast and God, I've, I've missed these, these two wins in a week podcasts. It feels like, I mean, probably over a year since we've done one of those and yeah, it's, it's always enjoyable, isn't it? Um, Obviously, as I say, in terms of the next couple of weeks, uh, it is the World Cup, so we won't be doing our weekly podcasts. We may try and fit something in um, in between that, a bit of a mid-season or, or Q&A or something like that, but um, we'll keep you updated via the Twitter account. And I think all that's left to be said is, if you have enjoyed, like and subscribe. Uh, give us a kind review on audio platforms that you may be listening on. And from me and Nathan, thank you ever so much for the support in the first half of the season. And we will hopefully be back soon. Uh, come on, England, I guess. Come on, England. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>